Hi, this is Laura Camacho. This I am the communication coach at McSonian Institute, as you probably know, and this is the Speak Up podcast. It's episode 88, and I am super excited to have a guest who has a very uh, eclectic background. Her name is Danielle Wexler, and I met her at the Southern Sea. Some of you may be familiar with that group. She is the owner of Plateful Solutions, and she does content creation, digital marketing, and social media for food companies. So she is a number one foodie. In fact, she just went on a trip to Norway and Sweden and went to a restaurant. It's one of the top in the world where she was served 25 different dishes. Yes. And, and before that, uh, long ago, she was um, a project manager at Apple and actually got to work with the infamous Steve Jobs. And then more recently, before she started her company, she was the manager of the cook shop downtown. So welcome, Danielle. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm excited to, to be talking with you today. Yes. Um, so it, what, what do you like the most about your job in that's so different, so different, so different, right? Um, that what you do today, what, what, what is it that most excites you about what you do? Well, now I get to work with small business owners, and I think that's been really gratifying is to be able to really help people with real world problems and to really take, I mean, part of our logo is our slogan is to take things off your plate and that's really what we do is as a small business owner you know you have so many different things going on all the time that you can't always get to and so that's where we come in and really take the literally quite literally things off your plate and and the area of marketing um which really helps i think small business owners and and when people when they they're they're so grateful and when we do that and it, it you really feel like the sense of accomplishment. Oh, I can't imagine because I've also, I've worked, worked with marketing people and sometimes they take things off your plate and sometimes <laughs> they don't. So <laughs> that you're able to do that, I'm, that's a great uh, value add. So we're going to just jump right in and I would like for you to share with your varied experience, like what was a challenging conversation that maybe did not go well that you could share with us, hopefully not incriminate anybody right? Yeah, and see what we can learn from your painful experience. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually going to go back a little bit in time to when I was the general manager at Charleston Cooks, which is a kitchen store and cooking school downtown Charleston. And I had started that job after leaving Apple. So as you can imagine, there was definitely a difference in managing people at Apple who were professionals, very intense, very high energy, very self-motivated to managing hourly retail employees. <laughs> right. Big difference. Big difference. So it was definitely a little bit of an adjustment for me. Um, and along the way, of course, you know, in addition to hiring lots of people, I did have to fire a lot of people. Oh, that's not fun. No. <laughs> and it never got any easier the year through the 10 years that I did it. And, you know, some of the people definitely, there was reason for sure. Yeah. And usually probably, there is. Yeah. And best for them to move on. Our company had very high standards, especially our management team and the owners. They had, they had high standards and a lot of people just didn't make the cut. 
And so it was left up to us to, to take care of those things. And, and like I said, for the most part, there was a lot of reason and cause to part ways with certain people. But every once in a while, I would have some great employees that would stay with me for a long time and do a really good job. But, you know, it's interesting as a manager, you see people grow and change themselves. And they don't always see that in themselves and sometimes stay on longer than they should. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And so they would some of these good employees, I have a couple in mind that they really outlasted their stay working with me. And it got to the point, you know, they, they would do a really great job. And then you slowly over the years start to see them decline. And then I got to be put in the uncomfortable situation a few times of having to say, you, it's time for you to move on. And yes, that's a hard thing to tell someone who's clearly comfortable and almost too comfortable, right? Well, and, and scared about the possibility too, and and not real, and again, not really necessarily understanding themselves. You know, mm -hmm. as a manager, you see people grow and develop, and for me, that was a, a very rewarding experience, and I, I felt like I did a, a great job when it got to the point where I caught, you know, my little chickens were mm -hmm. ready to fly the coop, and they you know, went on to bigger and better things. And so that was always very gratifying for me as a manager. Unfortunately, the situation I had in mind was, was a young lady who did not see that. Um, and this was fairly early on in, in the years that I was, I was managing Charleston Cooks. And, and, and as I said, she had, she'd started off great and then slowly started declining, declining. And then things kind of came to a head one night when we had this very important cooking class going on, we had visitors from out of town coming in. They were actually from New Orleans and, and old friends of my boss. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. The pressure was on. Right. And so we had planned the class out. It was going to be a cocktail class with appetizers served. So a lot of things that needed to happen in advance. So right. we had planned it out, what, we, what the recipes were going to be, how we were going to batch cocktails for 34 people times seven different cocktails. You know, we went over the plans many, many times in advance of the class. So I, th I thought everything was great that day. Things were going smooth, wonderful. And then I happened to walk in the kitchen and around about an hour before the class was supposed to start, you know, I was busy doing work in my office and expecting my staff to just go ahead and get everything ready as, as they normally did. And I walked into the classroom about an hour before the class and nothing was ready. Nothing was done. And my kitchen manager was nowhere to be found. <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoa. Yeah. What had happened? I have no idea. At that point, I just, I had to go into crisis management mode. Mm -hmm. I finally found her upstairs, literally at a computer in the corner of the office, oblivious, just not even engaged, not oh, even aware of the time. And so hustled, got that. And I said, okay, we can't, we got to get going here. We don't have time to talk about this right now. We just got to get this class done. I had to pull in other staff from my uh, team on the retail side, you know, basically anybody who was a body that could pour a cocktail, I was like, you gotta be in the kitchen to help us do this. So wow. we struggled through the whole class. It was, it was really hard. Uh, and just in getting the logistics of it going, 
but we made it. And, and, you know, for most people, they wouldn't know necessarily that anything was really wrong, you know, because right. we, we covered it pretty well. But afterwards, you know, exhausted and very upset. I was extremely upset. And, and then I said, you know, we're not, she, and she came, my kitchen manager had come to me and said, you know, why are you so upset right now? I feel like you're upset with me. And I was like, I am, but we can't talk about this right now. <laughs> yes. You need to finish what we're doing. And you know, by that time, usually it's about 10 o'clock at night, not a good time to have a conversation about anything at that point. Right. Good call so, there. Yeah. At least I, at least at that point I had the wherewithal to, <laughs> to not act on emotion and to, mm-hmm. to call it a night. Right. Um, but of course I went home and stewed about it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And the next day I went straight to my boss and, uh, and told him the situation. And sure enough, he had also heard, um, he, even if he wasn't there, usually he found out almost always yeah. what was going on. Right. I'm sure word got out. <laughs> yes. And, and he had heard some things that it, you know, it wasn't really up to his standard either. So, I, at that point, and again, probably, and still a little heated, I recommended that we fire her. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, it was an agreement there, and we talked through the reasoning and the rationale, and he said, basically, he's like, just do it. You just need to do this now. You know, I agree. Let's not stretch this out any longer. Mm-hmm. So later that afternoon when she came in <laughs> the next day, I pulled her into an office, a quiet office, and I closed the door, and I did have all my reasons laid out. What I did not anticipate was how much of a shock and how clueless she was about her performance and about her behavior. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was probably one of the most heart-wrenching experiences I have ever gone through. I told her, said this was you know, your performance has not been up to, to par. And last night was kind of the straw that broke camel's back. And, uh, and we have to let you go because you're just not really performing the functions of the job any longer. She burst into tears, hysterically crying, very upset. I, I'm, and I, I just didn't quite know how to react to that, you know, when yes, someone... That would be shocked. Yes, yes. And, just, and then she started asking me, well, what can I do? I'm so sorry. And basically begging me for her job. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was, no. It was so painful. But at that point, and, and again, that, like, what I started to think was, oh, gosh, what have I done here? <laughs> but, you know, I was like, okay, I got to stick through this. You know, there's really no going back at this point. And, and I explained to her and I told her, I said, you really, it's time for you to move on. You got to go on to other things you need. Right. And, uh, long story short, after about 30 minutes of her crying and being very upset, I managed to kind of calm her down a little bit and, um, and helped her pack up her things and said, you know, just, why don't you just go on home now? And Mm -hmm. if you want, we can talk again tomorrow or you know let me know I'm more than happy to give you a recommendation um more than happy to to put in a good word for you because you really have been a good employee over time Mm -hmm. yeah that's true okay and did she get another job and go on to she did yeah to me for a really really long time (laughs) (laughs) 
but she did actually end up going on to get a, an even better job and has been with that company for a long time. And, and we do talk now. It is very, it's civil at least. So yes, because Charleston's a small city and you're in the kind of a small, it seems to be clicky from the outside. I'm not an insider industry. Very true. Very yes. True. Well, that's interesting. I hear a lot because, of course, the topic of critical conversations and firing somebody is always one of those. Nobody likes to do it. But it, when it's not a good fit, it's really good to get it over with. It's painful. But I see I have seen there was even this article in the Harvard Business Review about difficult conversations. And the example was this guy had had been a, a sub performer, had been not only allowed to continue his job for nine years he'd gotten raise after raise after raise and i'm like the problem is not so much the conversation it's the leadership you know that is part of being a leader but it's the not fun part and it's it's like you have to be proactive it's not nobody in your case there was definitely a crisis that kind of brought it to a head right absolutely but i think and and I absolutely accepted my responsibility as, as a leader and manager that you have to do those, those, those things and they're very uncomfortable and not fun for you at all. Anybody, yes. You know? But I think what I took away from it is that I don't think I did a great job in prepping her for and having conversations beforehand so that when we got to the point where I had to let her go, it shouldn't have been a surprise. Right, right. Yes, but those are the kinds of conversations that they're not like essential for the day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. And it, it would have, it would take a like hero level leader, but you see it now. Absolutely. <laughs> like, well, yeah. regular check-ins, more regular check-ins to be like, you know, this isn't working or this is working or, and to be able to, to more honestly assess their performance. Right. And I definitely learned that going forward and to be able to have, to have those conversations, even if they are a little uncomfortable or a little, you know, I guess it not, it's almost like it creates a little resentment with the, your staff too. You it know? can definitely. Yes. And you don't, nobody, nobody wants to be, the, well, some people like being the bad guy, but most people don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I see it and it, is something that I deal with with the coaching clients that even finding the time for not even a deep one-on-one, -on -one, but a superficial one-on-one -on -one is mm -hmm. something that tends to get swept under the rug because you say, Hey, employees, everything. Okay. And I have been in that situation. Yeah, everything's great, boss. Don't worry about it. And then over time things that don't get addressed that should be addressed. But anyway, that's, that, that's life. And um, I'm sure our audience will, enjoy hearing that they're not the only ones who have <laughs> been on one of those ends of those conversations. Uh, is there a conversation that changed your life in some way or maybe impacted that maybe was not like a, a so challenging but surprising or impactful that you could tell us about? Yes. So going even a little farther back to my days at Apple, and, and as you mentioned, the yes, the Steve Job days where mm -hmm. it was kind of like a, a little bit of a wild west at that time. <laughs> I bet. I, yeah, I've heard so many stories from people that, yes, he really was difficult to work with. It's not an exaggeration. No, he, he was very demanding very, and very volatile. 
talk about a leadership style that I would not recommend. <laughs> and talk about firing. He, he quite literally would fire people on the spot just if for, for whatever, really, really with wow. cause or reason. So that was, it was, it was interesting. It, it created a very interesting culture at mm -hmm. Apple at that time because obviously everybody was walking on eggshells a lot of times when, when we were working on these projects with him. But it, interestingly, more important, what it created also was this very engineering heavy, or, or engineering centric, I should say, culture, because Steve was an engineer. And so he understood right. that mentality and that's who he appreciated and who he would reward. Okay. And, in research and development, it was it was actually really interesting in that respect. The engineers basically were like little gods roaming around, you know, oh, wow. saying, "I I am just so amazing and so brilliant." And oh so my gosh! So, so. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> lots of ego. Oh gosh, so much ego. So, and I was in the project management. Uh, side of things so what would happen is they would gear up or match up an engineering manager with a project manager and we would work side by side basically to to work on hardware projects and, and actually software projects as well and at one point i had been promoted to uh be in charge of all the networking projects across apple wired and wireless there. So I had a pretty large team of project managers underneath me that was, they, they were all responsible for individual parts of the project. And my counterpart was in charge of all the engineers that were working on all these projects. And from the get go, as soon as I, I took this job, this great promotion it was supposed to be a great promotion, right? You know, um, but as soon as I started, right. As soon as I started working with this engineering manager, I just knew that we were not going to get along at all. And he was, he had the ego, he had the personality. He was honestly, <laughs> he, uh, he did a lot of things that probably wouldn't really fly in today's environment. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. As I said, it was definitely a little well west back then. And he just, he was really underhanded. He, uh, he kept trying to undercut me as a manager with my staff, like trying to reward and bonus, give bonuses out to my staff to make him look better. Oh my goodness. Without going through you. Without going through me. Yeah. And, and they knew it. And most of them would come to me and, and be like, Hey, did you know? And I'd be like, no. And then I'd have to go to our management. We actually reported to the same person ultimately and say, Hey, can you, can you rein this person in please? And, and so he would get a little slap on the hand, usually don't do that. And that was it. And, and again, it kind of came to a head at one day when um, we had some very lucrative stock options granted Ooh. to our department. Yes. And at that time, Apple stock wasn't as good as it is now, but <laughs> right, right. But still, everybody wanted the options. And he had told our vice president that he, he would take the reward. We get, we get a little letter saying, you know, what your rewarded stock options were and, and the details. He was going to take the ones for my team and give them to me and 
and he was, you know, he was like, oh, I'll just take those for Danielle. It's fine. And well, of course he never gave them to me at all. And then of course went behind my back and sat down with all my staff and awarded all of them and basically came out looking like the king and the prince because he was the one handing out the bones. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So pretty, pretty bad. And again, this was probably about the third or fourth time he'd done. This was probably the worst example. Right. Right. Um, so I walked into, I was like, I, I got to talk to him about this right now. And it was pretty late in the evening when we worked long hours, right, Apple. And uh, I went down to his office and I said, hey, what's up? What, what, what did you, why'd you do this? You know, and I'm sure there was a tone to my voice. And, <laughs> I'm sure there was. <laughs> you know, and saying, come on. Like I said, this is a couple to like, you've done this a couple of times to me. This is not okay. Right. No. What I got in response, I never would have man imagined he must have had a really bad day too or had already got I think he had already gotten in trouble for it mm -hmm. <laughs> because he turned around and then proceeded to start cussing me out oh my goodness yeah and calling wow. me all sorts of things I can't say <laughs> yes okay we get the idea oh yeah. my goodness but yeah. no no that like um I'm sorry, or you misunderstood, or this is what I was trying to do. And then, but also you had the fact that his, your boss and his boss put up with that, right? Yes, exactly. So, so no, no apology whatsoever. If anything, I, I mean, he took it and made it extremely personal and told me I was, in so many words, incompetent, unable <laughs> to do my job that I should never have gotten this position in the first place, that I was a... So he was just attacking you. Absolutely. For, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. so of course, I went to management, and I went to right. HR. Right. And, and nothing happened. He did. He got a pretty good hand slap from, from management, my mm -hmm. management. And, uh, and definitely, they they told him it was pretty unacceptable and they, and they told him to apologize to me. He never did. <laughs> oh, wow. And HR was, I went, I went to HR. They, they didn't do anything either basically. And again, this was the kind of the interesting culture at that time. Right. And, yeah. Do you think he was considered since he was an engineer and at that, you know, at your level, like he was a toxic high performer, but we're going to keep him because of the high performing part. Yes, absolutely. And, and it was, it was, it was actually kind of sad because they made their excuses for him. You know, the kind of things like, Oh, he's just like that. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, he doesn't mean that. And I was like, no, no. Yes. So was that why you left? Yep. That was pretty much it. After that, I, with, within two weeks, I had put in my notice and said, I can't work in this environment any longer. So and I'm going to go off and do something totally different. <laughs> Which you did. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm so glad you shared this story because a lot of times people come with that conundrum, like this boss is mean or impetuous or unfair or a jerk or toxic and nothing is happening to him. Usually it's a guy, but not always. There are, that's, there's the um, queen bee effect. So it can be a woman, especially woman on woman. Yes. And 
you know, you can have the decision, have to face the either put up or leave. Mm -hmm. You know, the you really can't change. If you can try to like live with it, but some it's just not worth it sometimes. No, and I and I know the culture has changed quite a bit since then. You know, that was fifteen years ago. So and and just you know, our expectation of, of the workplace, I think, are has drastically changed since then. So I know that it's a lot better now, but it's interesting. You just, at that time, I just didn't even know what else to do. You know, right. you think you have, you've gone to all the channels that you think that you can tap into, but then at the end of the day, it is, it's a matter of put up or shut up or leave. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I've had actually an HR manager and HR consultant. We did a webinar on toxic people to lay out like, what are your options? And they think, I mean, they're really, you can put up or shut up or leave there. If, if the top leadership is not supporting you, there's really not much you can do um, legally or otherwise, unless you can, you know, prove harassment at some level. So, wow, what a story, but it had a happy ending because now you're here <laughs> right. in a different industry and you're your own boss. Yeah. No more uh, nasty engineers. Not the engineers are all that way, yeah. of course. No, I know you work with a lot of them too. And yes, I do. I work with the, the, the more quiet ones. So they also, you know, can't ha have had, I mean, it's not just a man on woman bullying thing it's uh that aggressive personality can really blow off lots of different types of people well thank you so much for sharing that's a fascinating uh ex you know fascinating in a train wreck since yeah. <laughs> conversation of a leading company of course as you said i'm sure it's different now and but you do have such a, a wide span of company experience and uh, just to, to close our conversation, what would what is your communication advice? You know, I, I believe that conversations are the way things happen. Is the way we confront people, or we make decisions. It's all through con through conversations. And I've been talking about it for ten years, and now it, I'm passing the baton over to my uh, podcast guest. So tell spill it. Tell us what your take on being a really good communicator is. Okay. Well, I think over the years, what I've, I've really learned is, is a great, great quote from one of my project management and, uh, professors at, in graduate school was, seek first to understand. And, and that is, you know, stop trying to make your point before you listen to what the other person's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And, and have empathy for that person. I think that's something also, as I've gotten older, I, I've, I've been able to empathize more with people and where they're coming from and, and what their motivation might be. Because what they're saying might be one thing, but also what, what's motivating their behavior or, or their communication? Where, where are they coming from? And to really try to better understand that. And because I think if you can have respect and dignity and empathy for someone, even a difficult conversation, it can go a lot better. Exactly. That's a great point. And a lot of times if we, if we lack empathy, our first reaction is to uh, assign really bad motives to the other person. Like if I'm late, 
to the meeting, it's because I'm very busy. But if you're late to our meeting, it's because you're just not organized right. or you don't care about me or it's not important to you. But that's, you know, that's an immature level of thinking. So I, I really like, yeah, seek first, understand that was Stephen Covey, but trying to really understand where the point, where the other person is coming from. And, uh, you know, going back to your first conversation that you shared, I think, you know, not that it does any good to many morning quarterback, but people face these kinds of conversations every day. But when you have a difficult conversation to look for the shared objective, like this woman wanted to have a good career and you wanted that for her, but it was just time for her to move on somewhere else. Yeah. I think that um, is a good tool to, to get through these hard conversations and just to have the courage to have them. Yes. And that is the other thing too. I, I've always thought is is no matter how painful or scared or horrible it could be, at the end, at least for me, I always feel better after having the conversation, any conversation, and and you can always learn something from it. And and I try to to pick out what's the little kernel of truth that I can take away, good or bad, from all of those difficult conversations. Oh, that's so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. These are really deep stories. And I know our audience is going to feel that they're not alone with these. Yes. Different <laughs> you are not alone. We know what it's like. And if people want to find out more about Plateful Solutions, um, you, what, how do you recommend that people find you? Yeah, our website is platefulsolutions.com. So plateful is P-L-A-T-E-F-U-L and the word solutions. And also you can always find us on social media at plateful, S-O-L-N-S. And you can find me on LinkedIn too as Danielle Wexler at plateful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And you, we will wrap up this episode. And this has been a great conversation with a very talented, multi-potentiate professional. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. It was really fun chatting with you. All righty. We're signing off now.